You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's The Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, the U.S. shot down that Chinese balloon. So what happens now? At first, it seemed like a weird, somewhat alarming curiosity, this giant Chinese balloon flying at high altitude across the U.S., the size of three school buses. China claimed that it was a science balloon that had drifted off course. President Biden ordered the thing shot down on Saturday once it reached open water off the coast of South Carolina. China claimed outrage, and now that threatens to worsen the already tense relationship between two of the world's most powerful nations. My colleague, Roz Matheson, oversees Bloomberg's government and political coverage around the world, and she's here with me now from London to sort out what this was all about and where things go from here. So the Chinese are claiming that this balloon was a science monitoring device that somehow drifted off course and wound up over the United States. Is that plausible? Well, from what we know from U.S. uh, government and U.S. intelligence sources, they say that this in no way could have been a weather balloon, which is what the Chinese authorities are saying. Uh, There was too much on board in terms of its ability to monitor and surveil to be just there to sort of check the clouds or the weather floating over uh, U.S. or Northern American airspace. And um, they could see that it was obviously able to do much more So this obviously was going over some very sensitive terrain in the US, uh, which makes it very difficult, of course, again, to sort of believe the the Chinese assertions that it was just there to check out the weather. These are very important and sensitive weapons installations and so on. I mean, obviously, they can't quite dictate where this goes once it's in the air, but it did seem to have some mobility control. And certainly when it was sent up, sent in a certain direction. And all of that, including just the, the material that was on board the balloon, suggests that it was in no way just a weather balloon. And what was the material on board? Because when we think about a, you know, a weather balloon or any of these balloons, we think of a kind of like a balloon. Maybe it has a little thing uh, attached to it that can take weather readings. But this thing was enormous. It was indeed and very big in the sky. And that's, in fact, how it ended up getting spotted was because it was just showing up in the sky. It seems to have had some advanced material for a balloon. Of course, I think we all think of balloon as sort of a child's toy at a fair. But in fact, as you say, this was a very, very big craft with a lot of sophisticated material on board. And that was packed into a fairly small space 
inside the balloon. And that was sort of the, the technology, not just to take pictures, but also to pick up a bunch of signals. So really doing semi the work of a satellite um, from, a, from a lower altitude is the idea that the technology in it was enabling them to get that kind of information that a satellite from a much higher altitude could also do. So it's not just taking photos, although that's a part of it, and that's what they were seeing in the technology. But what was interesting about this balloon was the technology to drive it, is they're saying there was there was sort of advanced material in this that enabled them to send the balloon in a certain direction and, and for the balloon then to essentially direct itself. Uh, and that's part of the, again, the, the, the argument that this was much, much more than a weather balloon. Raz, as you say, it was spotted because people could actually see the thing. Everybody's looking at the sky now. Um, we have satellites looking down. We have people looking up. Why did the Chinese think that this wouldn't be spotted? Or did they know it was going to be spotted? Well, this is the interesting thing, because I think when a lot of people think about China and the Chinese government, they think of this monolithic, all-powerful, all-in-control, moving-in-the-one-direction, under-all-orders entity. And it's a really big country, and it operates not, <laughs> not necessarily in that way at all. So the first question really is, did the Chinese government know it was going up now? Um, did they order it to go up now? You have entities that work on their own timescale. Perhaps there'd been the intention to send up surveillance balloons around now, but no one thought to send a memo uh, to the organisation that does this to say, perhaps don't do it at this point in time. It's a sensitive time. And so no one stopped it. Um, so whether this was designed to happen now as a, as a message from the central government, that's really unclear. And it's perhaps something we'll actually really never know for sure. Uh, if it was, that's a really sort of big question because it was really, really clear also from the language from China, from Beijing in the previous weeks, and including at the start of this incident, they really wanted uh, this not to blow up, pardon the language, but uh, the pun on balloons, but they really didn't want this to escalate. They started out very, very sort of low key. And in fact, then there was a very unusual apology. We didn't mean this thing to come across right now. So that again points to the fact there wasn't necessarily some kind of coordinated action here and a real message trying to be sent. And yet this isn't the first time that the Chinese government has sent a balloon toward the U.S., it happened a couple of times before when President Trump uh, was in office and also at the beginning of the Biden administration. Is that right? Well, that's right. In fact, there's a long, long history of Chinese surveillance craft, including balloons uh, coming into various orbits that affect the U.S., but also other countries over the years. And interestingly, conversely, the U.S. obviously has deployed these also as mechanisms of surveillance over the years. So it's not an unusual thing to have balloons floating about uh, in the air. And of course, China always saying that they are indeed just to, to monitor the weather. Um, so there's been a long history of this. The interesting thing is that with the deployment of satellites and advanced technology, there's still the use of these balloons above all, just to sort of float across the air and take pictures really of terrain. Um, and there've been reports the US government is looking to beef up its own use of surveillance balloons going forward, even as they too rely on satellites. So these things are really still seen as sort of a low level tool of statecraft, partly because they don't really have radar, they don't have heavy material, so they can drift along for days, usually out of sight, and they're not caught on radar, and that's why they're still quite useful. Obviously, this one was so big and so visible that it, it became a different story, but it's possible there have been many, many balloons over the years that have gone over that we've never really known about. 
Roz, you mentioned earlier that it went over some pretty sensitive terrain. It was over Montana, where there's missile installations, and then traversed the entirety of the U.S. until it was shot down off the East Coast once it reached water and it wouldn't damage anything when it fell. Do U.S. officials know exactly what this thing was looking for? Well, that they don't know. Um, but at least the one thing is when they were aware of it and they could start tracking it, it's possible the U.S. could in fact be sort of reverse in telling this thing, if that's such a phrase, um, in that they were able to work out what this thing was looking at. They could draw their own intelligence from it. So letting it actually go across the U.S. for several days probably gave the U.S. in turn a treasure trove of stuff uh, for themselves to look at. Roz, please stick around. Our conversation continues after the break. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Raz, you used that great word. I don't know if it's an actual word. Reverse intelling, what the U.S. was trying to figure out what they could learn. Now that this thing is in the water, are they going to be able to actually get it and crack it open and see what intelligence it gathered? So it's actually quite interesting because they sent fighter jets, F-22 Raptors, to shoot this thing down. It's possibly the first time in the 25-year history of the F-22 that it's done what's known as an air-to-air kill. And that's sending something through the air to kill something else that's also in the air after 25 years of this program. It's also at high gravity. It's really, really amazing the pilot managed to hit it because it's very, very difficult to shoot these things down. Um, Even though it's sort of semi-slow moving, it's just sort of drifting through the sky. Uh, It doesn't have any heat on it, so you can't put radar on it to try and shoot it down. It's technically very difficult. I recall... There was some years ago, I think it was in Canada, where there was something else they tried to shoot down, a balloon, and they put thousands of rounds into it and it failed to sink it. 
So the fact they managed to do this is quite interesting. But also they did it in a very targeted way, which is they were trying to preserve what's known as the payload, which is the technological stuff they want to study afterward. And of course, they're very used to picking stuff up out of the ocean after it lands. And so with that, of course, you know, they're quite, they're quite expert at being able to fish stuff out of the water. So you imagine what they've done is they've, they've shot it down over the sea, they're able to fish it out of the ocean, and therefore they can study it. And of course, this was a Sidewinder missile that they used to fire, again, at very high altitude. Uh, so a first for the F-22, quite possibly in its 25-year history. And so this thing crashed down into the ocean. Was it in one piece? I guess the debris could be found up to seven miles away from where it splashed into the water. That's right. But the only thing they really need to track as it crashed was the payload, which is, of course, the stuff they want to study. There's a large part of the balloon, which is just the infrastructure that allows it to float along. And that's not worth anything. Of course, a missile will blow it into smithereens. But what they were trying to do when they shot it down was to destroy the infrastructure of the balloon while preserving the stuff that they would like to look at afterward. And that's the stuff they would have been tracking as it hit the water. Roz, what's the chance that when that thing hit the water, like all of its electronics just got fried or maybe it had a self-destruct setting that when it goes plummeting, it you know fries itself out? Well, that's entirely possible because, again, this seems to have been quite an advanced uh, Chinese surveillance balloon in terms of the technology that was on it. That's what they were saying. This is a different kind of balloon than they'd seen before. And when they shot it down out of the sky, again, at very high altitude with a very big missile, there's every chance that it, it did destroy the entirety of the balloon, including what they would like to pick up afterward. But at least we know that there's the chance that it hit the water intact. And if it did, that they'd be keen to fish it out again. And of course, whatever they find is going to probably become classified. So we might not know for a long time or ever really what they found on board that thing. That's entirely right. And there's been obviously some similarities to previous incidents. Of course, there was a U.S. Navy drone that China picked up in the South China Sea some years ago and held on to for several weeks before they gave it back. And that was the question, of course, what were they doing with it in the meantime? Um, So even if there is some kind of return transfer... At some point, the longer they hold on to it, the more it gives them the chance to study it. Raz, you mentioned earlier that the Chinese government took pains to try to downplay the significance of the balloon, that they even issued initially an apology. Of course, after it was shot down, then it was anger and outrage because they're claiming, of course, that it's a science balloon. This comes at a kind of a bad time for U.S.-Chinese relations right now. Can you talk about what that's going to mean going forward? Well, that is the big question. I mean, we've seen episodes like this before, again, where we've had knee collisions or collisions, or we've had uh, China picking up U.S. Navy material or vice versa. And those things have escalated and then de-escalated because in the end, neither China nor the U.S. really wants to see something escalate into a potential military conflict. But this became this came at a really, really important moment for China-US ties because, of course, uh, the US President Joe Biden met with Chinese President Xi Jinping late last year at the G20 in Bali, and that was their first face-to-face meeting as presidents. And they used that to really try and put a floor, at least, under the relationship. No one's going to pretend that there are ongoing tensions over trade, over technology, over security, over human rights. And the longer term trajectory is two big powers competing with each other. But there was an understanding, at least, that there was probably in their mutual interest to put a floor under that relationship. And that set the scene for a bit of a thaw, including what was going to be the visit to China by the US Secretary of State 
Anthony Blinken, which was happening the previous weekend. But of course, the balloon made that impossible. And now we've seen the US defer that trip. They haven't cancelled it, but they've deferred it. And that really is a setback to very fragile, fragile steps towards a better relationship between the two countries. And now, of course, the shooting down of the balloon means what does China have to do or say here in terms of a response? We've seen the shift in rhetoric that you were talking about, Wes. What does that translate to? Does that mean that we see some kind of retaliation from China? Is it in the trade space? Is it in the security space, the military space? Is it in the technology space? Do they feel they have to do some sort of response? And then does that just have a cascade effect? Um, what you do see, though, really still through this, despite this tension, is probably a continued desire on both China and the US to try and still prevent this from spiraling out of control. Of course, there's the difference between the public response. China has to show strength after this balloon was shot down. And then there's the behind-the-scenes diplomacy Do we know whether that conversation taking place is maybe more along the lines of what you said earlier, which is China saying, hey, look, we didn't mean to send this thing. This was a screw up by somebody lower down in order to diffuse those tensions. Well, we do know that Antony Blinken spoke with his counterpart, Wang Yi, on the weekend. They had a phone call and that's something because that says at least they're still talking. And again, that China is willing to pick up the phone. The other thing are reports in China that the officials that sort of run these operations with surveillance balloon, that the senior official has been moved out of his job on the weekend, which is quite interesting. And the fact that that's actually been publicized, another sign again that China doesn't want this to escalate. But as you, you made a really important point, Wes, which is that Xi Jinping has to show strength at home. He has to show that he's being firm in this moment. He's being tough because, of course, you know, that's very much how his power uh, resonates within China. So how much of this is for domestic purposes and how much is it for the rest of the world is in really that question. And reading between that, you can see, again, from the Wang Yi, Anthony Blinken phone call, at least communications are continuing and back-channeling, no doubt, is, is similar in that they really want to make sure this does not uh, spiral out of control. We'll be right back. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. 
That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Roz, another big thing happening soon for Joe Biden is the State of the Union. That speech is always tinkered with up to the very last second. But boy, this is a big new section that he's probably going to need to add. Is there any indication of how he is going to talk about this? Well, it's interesting because, of course, they knew about this balloon for days when it was flying over the U.S. Uh, They didn't publicize it. When it became public, there was a lot of Republican criticism. There were demands immediately to do something very assertive and criticism for not having acted sooner. That said, he's now shot the thing down. So he can say, look at me, I'm being very tough on China. I'm being assertive. We're not getting pushed around. Uh, That on the back of some pretty good jobs numbers for the US uh, in the latest employment data set him up on a better footing on the economy. So you can imagine a slight amount of possible Biden swagger going into the State of the Union. Look at me again. I'm being tough on China. The economy is on a better footing. So you can imagine they'll spin it that way. The question, the longer term, is that, again, given the level of Republican criticism that happened here, he's got to deal with that through to the election in 2024. The Republican-controlled Congress, is he going to be directed by Republican criticism? Does he have to react to that every time on issues including China? So you can imagine quite an assertive State of the Union speech, but really the underlying question is, is he going to be directed increasingly on foreign policy by the Republican Party? I heard all that Republican criticism, too. It seemed like kind of an easy enough thing for Republicans to complain about. And people were saying, shoot that thing down. But of course, if you shot that giant thing the size of three school buses down over the U.S., it would have fallen on something or someone. Well, that's right. And certainly now that he's actually acted, and he said that he acted in the best interests of the safety of the American people, um, while yet, of course, showing a reaction to the Chinese government, that that Republican criticism will fade. But certainly you saw the rhetoric from the White House go from fairly low key to quite heated very quickly. And that was really probably driven by the need to show that he was being tough on China. And China, of course, understands that, especially in a big speech like that, Joe Biden is going to, you know, rattle the saber, just like uh, Xi Jinping is doing in the other direction. How do you get past that kind of moment of, I don't know, political theater to make sure that it doesn't become something else? Well, it's what you were talking about before. It's keeping those lines of communication open and the back channels open because they'll understand that Xi Jinping, of course, has to sound tough. Um, He's had a very difficult time in China in terms of the COVID crisis that's really hit the economy. It's hit the Chinese people very hard. He wants the economy moving again, and that's an imperative for him to keep again comms with the US going, trade and investment coming in and out of China to help his own economy. So you can imagine the back channels there are going to be absolutely crucial to understand where either of them are coming from in this moment. And then, of course, how do you see a way through? Is there any way in the future where this Blinken visit can now still go ahead? What were the two supposed to talk about? There's a lot of billing about this meeting that they were going to reach some sort of breakthrough that would ease tensions with China before all this happened. Well, the interesting thing is that China never confirmed the meeting with Xi Jinping. 
And so there was no guarantee until Blinken got there and actually started his conversations as to whether that would go ahead. And in fact, if it hadn't happened, it would have been very, very telling because Xi Jinping normally meets with sort of the the Secretary of State equivalent from the US and other countries when they visit. If they did meet, they were going to talk about an awful lot, uh, trade, technology, their economies, common interests around the world. They probably would have talked about the conflict in Ukraine, for example. That's a big one for, for both countries. There were not going to be really any enormous breakthroughs from that meeting. Um, no coming away saying we've agreed to do X, Y, and Z. But really just having the meeting itself would have been a big signal in, and, and a win for both countries, arguably. And it would have just set the tone because after that, potentially you would have had a visit to the US uh, from Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. And that you could see an ongoing series of, of, of visits coming after that that really would have uh, deepened uh, this thaw that we were expecting. So it was really about just opening the door to that rather than significant initial breakthroughs. As we're talking about here, China and the U.S. often like to talk tough about each other, but both of these nations need each other for economic and other reasons. When you look down the road a couple of months from now, do you think that this is still front of mind or do you think it fades and uh, more pressing concerns eventually rise up again? The reality is we're probably going to see further bouts of tension, even if this immediate crisis passed, because, of course, the U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has said he intends to visit Taiwan, which is a democratically ruled island, however, that China sees as its sovereign territory. And we saw what happened when the then Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. China retaliated militarily by firing off a bunch of stuff around Taiwan, missiles and drills and so on. And if that goes ahead, we might we might see a pause for a couple of weeks or a couple of months after this, but that will then lead to another escalation. And the reality is in the run up to the 2024 US election and beyond, we're only going to see a hardening really from here. And in the broader term, we're just going to see, again, two very big superpowers in a, in a very combative and competitive relationship. Roz Matheson, thanks so much for talking with me today. Anytime. You can follow all the news about the Chinese balloon, and no doubt there will be plenty of it at Bloomberg.com. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at Bloomberg.net. This episode was produced and engineered by our supervising producer, Vicky Bergolina. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidron. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, 
and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.